You are Locked On Hawkeyes, your daily podcast on the Iowa Hawkeyes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, Hawkeye Nation, to another episode of the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast, your daily podcast covering your Iowa Hawkeyes on the Locked On Sports Network. As always, I am your host, Andrew Wade, and today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get 20% off your next order. And stay tuned, because we have some great deals kind of going through Built Bar as well, so you're going to want to check those out on one of our little breaks we take in between each segment today. But coming up on today's show, we have a lot to talk about. And we have a very busy week this week, especially with basketball really kicking off and football still on, you know, in play. Lots of stuff to talk about. We're going to first recap the two basketball games, talk a little bit about that, what we liked, what we didn't like, what things need to improve, etc. Then we're going to do a little bit of a, a Big Ten heat check. And by that, I mean... We're going to be reviewing some of the the games that happened across NCAA basketball and NCAA football, how that impacts Iowa, um, also kind of how the Big Ten races are are going on right now, both basketball and football, talking a little bit about the rankings as well. And then we're going to wrap up with a few of the metrics from the Nebraska win. As you know, um, if you haven't checked it out, make sure to check out our Monday morning recap of Matt Vandenberg. We did that on Saturday, so you had two days to possibly listen to that. Highly recommend you check that out. But we're going to do a little bit more of a deep dive into the analytics on today. Today's segment number three, and we're also going to be handing out our game balls as well. That's all coming up on today's show. So action-packed episode. Let's not waste any more seconds, and let's hop into it right now. First and foremost, Iowa got off to two victories. They are 2-0. and Right now, the men's basketball team started a little bit sluggish against North Carolina Central. Uh, you know, and that I guess that could be somewhat expected, I guess. It was their first game in a long time. Uh, you know, you get into a game against North Carolina Central. They started off a little bit sluggish, but they picked it up um, over the course of the game, ended up winning 97-67. They also defeated Southern University 103-76. to Honestly, that should have been 103-73, to but Southern popped up a, a half-court three-point shot at buzzer just for the hell of it and made it. But nevertheless, Iowa got off to two nice victories. They take on Western Illinois this week as well. We're going to be breaking down that game on Wednesday morning show. But a couple things we noticed from this game. Um, first and foremost, Luke Garza looks like he's actually hungrier than before. I don't know how you can get more motivated than he already is. We saw the workouts that his dad, you know, Frank, was posting on Twitter. We saw the work he was putting in over the offseason to continue to get better. And what we saw... These first two games, Luca Garza is a freaking animal. Uh, what he did against Southern University just wasn't even fair. And I know these are you know mid-major competition, but neither of these teams are terrible teams uh, from a mid-major perspective. And what Luca Garza did was just downright dirty. Let me kind of read off these two game splits for you uh, against North Carolina Central, eleven of fourteen. 11 of 13 from 2, 0 of 1 for 3. He had 26 points, 10 rebounds, 1 assist, 2 steals, and 3 blocks. Against Southern, 14 of 15, 41 points, 3 of 3 from behind the arc, 10 of 12 from free throws, which is definitely something he wanted to improve on as well. 9 rebounds and 3 blocks. Absolutely absurd. He did this in 53 minutes. He scored 67 points in 53 minutes. He now is ninth all-time in Iowa basketball history, passing Jess Settles. Big time stuff from Luka Garza. Nice to see him get comfortable very early. You could tell Iowa was like, you know what, screw it. Let's just give him the ball because he's scoring at will here, which is fantastic to see. One of the other things I also noticed was Jordan Bohannon looked healthy and he looked very comfortable without the ball. 
coming into the season, that was a concern for me. Jordan Bohannon has been the primary ball handler, and we saw last season uh, they had a couple guys that really stepped up to do that. Connor McCaffrey, Joe Toussaint, uh, even C.J. Frederick and Joe Wieskamp, right? So we saw them handle the ball. What was going to happen when Jordan Bohannon came in the game? And I felt like he did a really great job at impacting the game um, on in other ways other than just shooting. Now, again, that's going to be huge down the stretch with Jordan Bohannon having the ability to shoot the ball so well like he does. But it is nice to see him be able to do some things off the ball. And it makes you feel pretty good about how this how this team's going to be able to handle the interesting amount of rotations they're going to have with all the impact players they have on this team, which we're going to get to in a second. They definitely showed a few lineup combinations I think we're going to see going forward. But um, overall, I thought he impacted the game a lot better than what he you know typically does outside of just shooting the ball. And didn't really shoot the ball that well. Um, on the season so far, uh, he has made four or sorry, made four shots on 15 attempts so not exactly you know not exactly ideal there but uh, he's going to continue to get better we're going to see him progress and, and get his shooting stroke down that is that is to be expected for Jordan Bohannon a couple other things. Patrick McCaffrey, I thought, looked fantastic. He was a threat on both ends of the floor. I loved when they were pressing and had him um, up, you know, playing the point guard. He did a great job at impacting passing lanes. Just a really big athletic guy. And you could see him being willing to kind of drive to the basket as well. That year off, um, obviously for reasons outside of basketball, but seemed to serve him well as he gained a lot more weight and seems more comfortable in this offense. He is going to be a huge contributor for Iowa as we get deeper into the season. Keegan Murray, another guy who, uh, unheralded recruit. We knew his dad was Kenny Murray. We knew him and his brother, you know, they had those genes, right? But they were, they didn't have those stars behind their name when Fran McCaffrey offered and they accepted. But you can tell these guys are ready to play college basketball, especially Keegan Murray. He played a lot of minutes. Now, that being said, those minutes are going to go down as Jack Nungy gets back into the flow of things. Obviously, again, condolences to the Nungy family. He's dealing with the passing of his father. Um, but what we saw from Keegan Murray was very impressive in two games. Uh, against, you know, in the first game, he had 20 minutes, 4 of 10, 2 of 3 from 3, and 7 rebounds. That's fantastic production from a true freshman. You, when you have a guy like that who can come in and play those kind of minutes, that's going to make this team even more difficult to defend. And that's what you love seeing um, in this game early on in the season, seeing Keegan Murray step up and be a contributor. We knew that he was going to be able to rebound the ball. That was actually what kind of set him apart early on in practices. But uh, really impressive stuff coming in two games and, and doing so well like, like he did at this point. Let me see. He's shooting 50%, 7-14 from the field. He is shooting 42% from three. He has 10 rebounds, one assist, one steal, and three blocks. So he's getting active on both ends of the floor, and that'll be huge, especially now that we don't have a guy like a Nicholas Bayer, which to me, Keegan Murray kind of feel, fills that mold a little bit. Also, um, it was great to see some of the freshmen get in there, get some playing time. We saw Joe Toussaint get 17 minutes, Aaron Ullis, uh, not, Joe Toussaint's not a guy I was worried about, but Aaron Ullis, Tony Perkins, we even saw Josh Ogundeli, uh get in there for a bit, so good to see some of the freshmen get some minutes. They're not going to have nearly as many of those minutes as we get into tougher competition, but let's get into the starting lineups. Um, obviously, J-Bo take the, took the point, C.J. Frederick at the two, uh, Connor, or Connor McCaffrey at the three, Joe Wieskamp at the four, and Luca Garza at the five. Um, I think we could definitely see some switching there depending on where they want to put Jack Nunji at. Uh, but when you look at where Murray was playing at, that's really where I see the Jack Nunji role coming in. The second most popular lineup, though, was actually Joe Toussaint at the one, J-Bo at the two, Wieskamp at the three, Patrick McCaffrey at the four, and, and uh, Keegan Murray at the at the five. That could be something we actually see a lot with Jack Nunji taking that Murray role. 
And then the other lineup that was a, a very interesting lineup as well was Joe Toussaint, Jabo, Patrick McCaffrey, Hegan Murray, and Luca Garza. Again, what, what Fran McCaffrey has at his disposal is a variety of weapons who can defend multiple spots, which allows you to be very versatile with coming up with these different combinations. It's about finding the, the combinations that work well together, though. And I do think it's interesting to see a Luca Garza on the court with a Patrick McCaffrey, Keegan Murray, and a Joe Toussaint all going to be reserve or bench players for this, this program. So it is going to be fun to see as Jack Nungie gets acclimated again, where does he fit into this these rotations? But the, the big takeaway here is that I liked what I saw. Defense still needs to improve. Uh, that 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 was something we knew was going to be an issue, and they still need to continue to improve on that. They're not they're not the level that I feel like they could be, um, especially with the athletes they have, especially with seeing what Patrick McCaffrey was doing. But that to me is very interesting and something that we're going to need to be on the lookout for as they take on Western Illinois, as they get North Carolina, Iowa State, and then obviously Gonzaga. The defense needs to improve if they want to win those games. Offensively, though, this team is humming already, and I love to see it. Coming up on segment number two, we're going to be doing our heat checks of the Big Ten in both basketball and football so stay tuned for that before we get into that though I do have a very important announcement for you because if you're anything like me you're constantly on the go you're moving you're rolling you're rocking you're hanging out with your family you're working holiday season's also tough uh, one of the, my favorite things is to be a little bit active as well um, I like to hike you know 14,000 foot mountains in Colorado when we get to the top though and this is kind of important when you look at the entire aspect of what I just talked about always being on the go sometimes you just want to relax at the top of the mountain and take in the scenery and when you want to do that you want to chill out there's only one beer out there that can help you and literally is made to chill, and that is Coors Light. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill, especially when you're on top of the mountains overlooking the beautiful scenery. There's nothing like cracking open an ice-cold Coors Light. Coors Light is as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Again, it just makes too much sense when you get down with the hike to crack open an ice-cold Coors Light. Or if you're just trying to relax from a long holiday season, grab yourself a Coors Light. Because Coors Light is the one I choose and I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. That's right. You can have it delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. And as always, folks, remember to celebrate responsibly. This message is brought to you by Coors Light, a part of the Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. All right, before we hop into segment number two, doing our Big Ten heat checks, just a reminder that we do actually have Michael Sleep Dalton joining the show, former Iowa Hawkeye punter, um, transfer from Arizona State, did a fantastic job last year. He's joining our show tomorrow to break down the special teams for Iowa, talk a little bit about Tory Taylor and what Tory Taylor is going through. Obviously, Michael Sleep Dalton kind of paved the way for a guy like Tory Taylor, so he has the best insight. I thought it would be perfect to bring him on the show, and Michael Sleep Dalton's always a fantastic interview, so make sure to tune in to tomorrow's episode where we break down the special teams from Michael Sleep Dalton. Dalton's point of view. But let's hop into the Big Ten heat check because Northwestern lost a game. We'll talk football first, basketball second. Northwestern lost to Michigan State. That was unexpected. Technically, Iowa still has a chance at a Big Ten title game. Northwestern has to lose out, though. So it's important that we are rooting for Minnesota this week, as much as that pains me to say, and we're rooting for Illinois the following week to take down Northwestern. If Iowa wins out, they are in the Big Ten championship game. There still is hope for me at least. It's always good to have that hope and I do think Iowa has a shot. They're playing solid football. You know, Spencer Petras can continue to get comfortable and we're going to talk a little bit about some of those metrics as well and you know, 
I, I've been tough on Spencer. I've talked about it with Matt a lot. I think he's getting better. It's just tough to see uh, when you see some of those really bad overthrows. We're going to talk about that. If Spencer continues to improve, though, Iowa can go 6-2. and two. Now, if they don't get their chance at the Big Ten title game, they are looking at a number two spot in the Big Ten West, which means they will get a crossover game with Indiana, who is continuing to win ball games here. I don't think they should have been in that game against Ohio State, but nevertheless, they are doing well, and Iowa would get Indiana, which would be a great Big Ten crossover matchup. Wisconsin had their game canceled against Minnesota, though, and that is concerning because Wisconsin is not going to get to that six-game threshold regardless of whether they went out. What makes this interesting, though, is that Ohio State is also one game away from not being able to play in the Big Ten championship game. If I'm the Big Ten, I'm looking at this and seeing an issue. You need Wisconsin and Minnesota to play. That is such a huge rivalry. That's bigger than the Big Ten West versus Big Ten East playing. Honestly, if they can, I would try to actually see if the college ball playoff committee would be willing to push things back a week, maybe push the Big Ten championship game back a week, allow these games to get replayed. But this is what happens when you screwed up so many things early on in the offseason. But nevertheless, it'll be interesting to watch how that does kind of play out over the next two weeks. Also, Iowa came in at number 24 in both the AP and the coaches poll. I think from a college ball playoff poll perspective, we can expect Iowa to move up to number 23. That's kind of where I'm. That's kind of where I'm expecting it to be at. Um, actually, in one quick, you know, I'm right on the 24. I wanted to make sure I, I did a spot check. 24 in both the AP and the coaches poll, um, but I do expect them to move up to number 23 in the college ball playoff committee poll. There weren't a lot of. It's not a poll, excuse me, but the college ball playoff committee rankings. There weren't a lot of losses in the top 25 this week, but Oregon did lose to Oregon State, and I really haven't been impressed with Oregon thus far in the Pac-12. I do think Iowa can make a jump over Oregon. They'll be at number 23. Obviously, winning against Illinois, beating a Wisconsin team, that will also help Iowa continue to progress in the in the rankings, and that will play an impact on what bowl game Iowa goes to, which is going to be interesting because right now, we're looking at a possibility of maybe Iowa getting a Citrus Bowl bid, depending on how the season shakes out. Some of the bowl games are getting canceled, though, so that's something we're going to be paying very close attention to as well. Moving on to the basketball side of things, uh, nothing huge here. I'm recording this you know, Sunday mid-morning, so not a lot I can really give you um, any of the games that happened today. But overall, Illinois survived a scare after looking pretty dominant in their first two games. They struggled to beat Ohio, needed a last-second uh, basket to win. Rutgers without Geo Baker still getting the W there. It just feels good to have basketball back. The only two teams in the Big Ten that actually lost this week, again, prior to me recording, Nebraska and Purdue. And as we said, Iowa got two big wins. Uh, and when I say big, I mean just getting wins is huge anytime before they have a tough stretch coming up after this Western Illinois game. That being said, in the poll that we're going to get this week, Iowa should move up to number three after Villanova and Virginia lose. That is absolutely huge, seeing Iowa ranked number three in the nation this early on in the season, something we really haven't experienced before. So uh, please, don't take this for granted. It's super cool to see Iowa this high up. And depending on how they do in these upcoming games, UNC, Iowa State, Gonzaga, they're positioning themselves to be the number one ranked team if they can win those ball games, which will be a lot of fun. And we're obviously going to be covering that very heavily um, as we get closer to those games. Next week, we'll have the host of Locked on Tar Heels on the show, Candace Cooper, so we can break down that game. We're also going to be probably trying to do a an Iowa State crossover, and then, without a doubt, bringing on a Gonzaga expert to talk about Gonzaga versus Iowa, because that is going to be a lot of fun, and arguably the, the biggest game Iowa has played in non-conference play outside of the tournament in probably the last 10, 15 years. I, 
I can't think of a different another game that'd be bigger than this. So that's all going to be broken down on the show. Coming up on segment number three, we're going to hop into those metrics that matter, though, giving the game balls and talking about Spencer Petrus as well and what the advanced analytics say about our young redshirt sophomore quarterback. Before we get into that, though, we do have an important announcement for you because it is Cyber Monday. And Built Bar has some fantastic deals going on right now. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar on the market. 18 fantastic flavors. All the bars are covered in 100% chocolate, soft, and easy to chew. And they have some really fantastic deals going on for Cyber Monday as well. So if you want to check these delicious bars out, make sure to do that. Because not only are they absolutely phenomenal in the taste department, they are fantastic in the health department as well. One of my favorite flavors is cookies and cream. 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and 4 grams of net carbs. It's exactly what you need either post-workout, if you need a little snack before the workout, or you just need a pick-me-up throughout the day. Grab yourself a Built Bar right now. They have some fantastic deals. As I said, Cyber Monday is going on. You can actually get some additional things outside of just the Built Bars you order. So make sure to check out BuiltBar.com and also make sure to use promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. So go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get an additional 20% off your next order. In addition to the Cyber Monday sales, it's honestly too good of a deal to pass up. Don't pass that up. Grab yourself a Built Bar today. Before we hop in to segment number three, NFL analyst Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson host Locked On Peacocks and Williamson every Monday through Friday. Brian and Matt give you the national perspective all around the NFL, covering all the latest news and insight on every game, team, and move around the NFL. Get your picks, previews, and much more every weekday with the Peacock and Williamson podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast at, and I couldn't recommend them enough. We've actually had Brian Peacock on the show to talk about the 49ers. As I try to do, I try to cover the NFL. It's not always as easy, especially when we have basketball and college ball going on. So if you want your NFL coverage, especially with all these Iowa Hawkeyes in the NFL, make sure to check out Peacock and Williamson on the Locked On Peacock and Williamson show every single day. But let's hop into those analytics from the Nebraska win. As I said, we're going to talk about Spencer Petras, talk about the top five players, and obviously hand out those game balls. So first, first and foremost, let's talk about Spencer Petras because that has been a hot topic here. He has been struggling, and I know that. I know he's been struggling. You all know he's been struggling. We saw Nate Stanley play for the last three years. He is not up to the the standard that Nate Stanley has set, and I've gotten some weird feedback about me hating on Nate Stanley and then talking really highly of him. You can talk about both. There were definitely some negatives about Nate Stanley, and there are some positives. Um, But overall, Nate Stanley had a good career for the Iowa Hawkeyes. Now, that being said, looking at Spencer Petras, Yesterday or in Nebraska's the game over Nebraska the win over Nebraska excuse me 18 to 30 for 193 yards 63.6 passing grade that was actually his third best of the season right behind Purdue and Michigan State uh, so you can see some of the progress there but the thing that really stood out to me was the five drops and we talked about this with Matt Vandenberg but when the wide receivers cannot do you justice that's not going to help you five drops two from Nico two from Brandon Smith one from Tyrone Tracy no wide receiver graded out better than 57.9 which is average that's bad right that's not good you want especially when you have such a, a talented wide receiver group you expect better from them and they weren't able to bring it in the game against Nebraska. Now, I don't expect them to be an every game problem, but they did not help out their young quarterback like you expect a Brandon Smith to be able to do. The catches he dropped, you expect him to make those catches. And again, no wide receiver graded out better than 
57.9. Amir Smith-Marset was at 57.9, followed by Tyrone Tracy, Brandon Smith, and then finishing up with Nico Reganey, who I've noticed has struggled with drops, and that was actually something I did a little bit more analysis into Nico himself, and he is... At the top of the leaderboard in terms of drop percentage, we have three Iowa Hawkeye wide receivers in the top 35 people in terms of drop percentage with a minimum of 25 targets. So that was obviously, that's a concern. You expect these this talented wide receiver group to do a better job of bringing in those passes, helping out their young quarterback. Also, one of the things I noticed from a rushing perspective, we did a lot better when we went to the middle. Right, So the A and B gaps went to the middle or to our left guard, which was a rotation of Kyler shot. Um, he did kind of rotate between left and right guard there. Kyler shot, you know, coming back from being out, played 52 snaps, was our second best pass blocker of the day. But interesting that we're doing better running the ball right up the middle, which is where we've been effective at over the last couple of weeks. Obviously, the running game took a little bit longer to get going, but nevertheless, great to see it going later on in the game when they wanted to seal the deal. Also wanted to point out some of our past rushing um, over the course of the season. We've talked about Davian Nixon and how and how t- tremendous he's really been over the course of the season. He's first in the NCAA in sacks uh, for the interior pass rush, 24th in pressure rate with a minimum of 50 snaps for that interior pass rush. Jack Heflin, 38th, all out of 319 players. On the edge, uh, Chauncey Golson with 50 snap minimum pass rush, 79th for the edges. Zach Van Valkenburg, 149th, and Joe Evans, 165 out of 3. 391 qualifying linemen. So great to see the defensive line be consistent contributors. We talked about this coming into the season. That was a concern. It was a concern about whether or not this defensive line could live up to the lofty expectations that have been set and bestowed upon these, you know, the Iowa defensive lines. They have been doing a great job without having the star power of handling it and making the plays when they need to, which is fantastic to see. Now, one other person I wanted to kind of point out, Jack Plum getting his first start. He struggled a little bit. Pass blocking grade was down to 57. We talked about it with Matt. You know, Spencer Petrus was having to step up a lot in the pocket, and that was because Jack Plum was allowing quite a few pressures. Four of the eight pressures allowed in the game came against him. Uh, Cody Inc. had the other two of the other eight. So the other three or four linemen now that you've considered the rotations only allowed two pressures. A lot of that pressure came from Jack Plum. So it'll be great. You know, he's a young guy. I expect him to continue to get better, but it'll be great to get Mark Kallenberger or Coy Cronk back in the lineup, help out our young quarterback, Spencer Petrus, a little bit more. Um, definitely something to, you know, that I watched out for as well. And we saw Spencer do a good job of stepping up, but that is a concern going forward. You want to make sure your pass rush can be locked and loaded, especially when we get to Illinois. We'll we'll talk about this a little bit more on later shows in this week, but um, they have some potent pass rushing capabilities. They haven't been that strong lately, but there is an opportunity there for Illinois if we don't have our line play settled and ready to go, that that could be an issue for the Iowa Hawkeyes. Now back to the thing you might be all wanting to hear. You might have saw this on our Twitter account, but if you don't follow us on Twitter, make sure you do that as well. The top five PFF college graded players from the win over Nebraska. Number one was Jack Campbell, 82.2. Alaric Jackson came in at second with 81.4. Chauncey Golson at 80. Let me see. 81.2. 
We have Jack Heflin at 75.4 and Davian Nixon at 74.7. If you look at it offensively, Alaric Jackson 1, Sam Laporta 2, Sean Byer 3, Cole Banwart 4, Tyler Goodson 5. Defensively, Jack Campbell 1, Chauncey Golson 2, Jack Heflin 3, Davian Nixon 4, and Dane Belton 5. Dane Belton has been quite a fantastic player for this Iowa Hawkeyes team. Really versatile, and you can tell... You know, that Phil Parker trusts him because he's he's putting him all over the field. He's done a really great job of timing those blitzes as well and doing a really great job of covering folks in the slot. So that's kind of my take on some of the metrics there. Now let's hand out the game balls, to, and then we're going to wrap up the show. Defensively, I got to give it to Chauncey Golston. I don't know how you don't give it to Chauncey Golston. Obviously, Jack Campbell, I thought, played a fantastic game. I called him out on the, the Saturday show with Matt. But Chauncey Golston um, played a pretty darn good game. And then making that game-sealing uh, sack, that was just fantastic. I don't know how you don't give it to uh, Chauncey Golston there. On the offensive side of the ball, the game ball has to go to Larry Jackson as well. Uh, he did a fantastic job in both run and pass blocking. Um, graded out as the top lineman of the day, top player, or sorry, top offensive player of the day. And he's been really putting together a nice season. Struggled a little bit uh, against Penn State, but really put a had a nice rebound game back in this game. And then on the special team side, Man, it's tough. You look at Charlie Jones and what he's doing from a returner perspective. You look at Tory Taylor. You look at Terry Roberts. I don't know how you don't do a shared award every single week or how I don't do a shared award every single week, but I got to give it this time uh, to Tory Taylor. What he's done, and you're gonna we're going to hear about this with Michael Sleepdahl tomorrow, but what he's doing is really impressive, and how he's being able to play some of these balls and impact the game has been truly amazing. Um, obviously, the, the Nebraska punt returner struggled to catch that ball. That wasn't him sucking, although I like to say that it would be. It was also Torrey Taylor putting a unique spin on that ball as well, making it difficult to reel that in. So those are my three game balls for the week. Let me know what your thoughts are on your game balls. And a reminder that coming up tomorrow, we have Michael Sleep Dalton joining the show to break down special teams for the Iowa Hawkeyes, talk a little bit about his relationship with Torrey Taylor, and also how he knew that Charlie Jones was going to be a fantastic player in this program. That does do it for our show today, though. I hope you all enjoyed this episode of the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast, and if you did, make sure to subscribe so you get every single one of our daily episodes downloaded directly to your smart device. As always, folks, I appreciate you listening, and I appreciate you tuning in. I really enjoyed. We set some records this month in November with listenership. Let's keep it going for December. And as always, folks, stay safe out there. Have a fantastic day, and let's go Hawks.